Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. What episode are we on? We're on episode number seven. And if you're following along with us, we're on chapter two, text number 12. 12. All right. right. We left off text 11 last time. Where did we leave off on the battlefield? What was happening? So Arjuna is like putting down his weapons. He's like, nah, this is not happening today. I'm running to the forest. He's refusing to fight, (laughs) but he's also ready to listen to Krishna's arguments. Right. right? Last episode, there was a whole shift from his friend, Krishna, I'm going to fight, 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 strong warrior to Oh, Lord, please help me. I don't know what I'm doing. He went through his whole existential crisis. And And then Krishna's... Oh, sorry. Go go ahead. ahead. (laughs) So then Krishna's like, okay, but we shouldn't be lamenting for the dead nor the leaving. Yeah. And so there's going to be, I think the whole bunch, uh, a whole bunch of uh, chapter two talks about death and right. our bodies and how they change. And, and so, the soul. Yes. We were talking a lot about death, death, death last episode. Welcome to our cheery podcast. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Right, should, should we do we, the... Yes. Uh, invocation. Invocation. Let's do All it. All righty. Oh my jnana timirandasya jnana shalakaya shakshurun militam yena tasmai shri gurave namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. All right. So chapter two. Text 12. Text 12. Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all the kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. Whoa, that's a big sentence. Also, Krishna is the one speaking. Yes? Yes, Krishna is speaking. He's telling Arjuna kind of like why he shouldn't be grieving for having to perform his duty. Yeah. So should we read it again, but kind of break it down? Yes. Never was there a time when I did not exist. So Krishna is saying, I've been here all along. Right. That makes sense. I mean, if if you believe like, oh, God created everything, then he must have been there all along. Yes. Nor you. He's saying, nor Arjuna. So Arjuna has always existed. How is that possible? Ooh, well, could that be that we talked a little bit about the soul versus the body, right? The body will die, but is the soul, does the soul die or is the soul eternal? The soul is immortal. The soul will always be there, which means we're always been around in different bodies. Right. Our soul has always been here. Yeah. And so it says, nor all the kings, because now we're we're still in a battlefield. We're still talking about all these kings and their armies here fighting. So he's like, not all of these people have always existed and they will never cease to exist. Nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. That's a huge line. Yeah. That means we'll always be here in the future as well. Right. So we're just, we're eternal. But what is we? What is that? What is that part, right? Like what specifically are we talking about? And so in this case, we're talking about the soul. Our soul is eternal. Right. It explains a little more in the purport. He says, uh, the Lord clearly says he himself, Arjuna, all the kings assembled on the battlefield are eternally individual beings, right? Because the soul is individual and that the Lord is eternally the maintainer of the individual living entities, both in their condition and in their liberated situations. Right. Like I gave the the example the other day of what I tell my kids whenever they ask, how can God be in everyone's heart, but be one? It's like you take little droplets of the ocean and put it into everyone. The ocean's still the ocean, 
But we're not just all one. We have our individuality. Yeah. And that's where it goes kind of further to talk about the Mayavadi theory. And we talked about the Mayavadis before. What is Mayavadi? It's kind of like the impersonal side when you say, oh, the universe, oh, life is guiding me. It's kind of like you put impersonal attributes to something that is actually personal. So you're enjoying the painting rather than enjoying the artist behind the painting. And bhakti yoga is all about building a relationship. A personal with, with relationship. A, a personal relationship yeah. with the artist or right. the creator of everything. Which I get exactly. is hard for people if you've only been trying to connect to the impersonal side. So if you've been talking in terms your whole life of life is guiding me, the universe is guiding me. It's kind of funny because it's like, what, are those just the, the atoms and the molecules that comprise the universe, they're guiding you? That Those are There's impersonal so things. That's yes. not possible technically for right. the universe to be guiding you. That's like attributing, that's that's a person. A person gives it, you it's, guidance. It's just not the full picture, right? It's right. like the universe, yes, the universe is within God. So it is actually something beyond that. And so right. here it says, the Mayavadi theory Um, That after liberation, the individual souls will merge into the impersonal Brahman, which Brahman is like the, like the sun rays versus the sun, right? So like the energy of God rather than God himself. Um, And so their theory that the individual soul will merge into the impersonal Brahman and lose its individual existence is not supported here by Lord Krishna. So we all have individuality. And when I read this, I thought that's so cool because I think everyone wants to be their own unique self. Yes. Right. I don't think anyone wants like, I want to really be like that. I mean, some people, yeah, with like celebrities, we want to be like, oh my gosh, I want to have Kylie Jenner's lips. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? Something. But but at the end of the day, like we still want to hold our own individuality. And here Krishna is saying, you do have it. Right, right. Because the more impersonal side would be like, oh, I want to merge into the oneness of the energy. I am. Yes. I'm I'm only part of of, of like a general mass of something that kind of becomes. Or like how often do we hear this phrase? We're we're all one. We're just all one. (laughs) Peace and love. Like, no, we're not all one. Like I get the concept, but we're also individual. So we come from the same source, but we're individual and retain that individuality. Yeah. Like spiritual liberation doesn't mean we give up our individuality and and just merge into the big oneness. That's a great point. <laughs> it means that we're just shedding back, pulling back layers of illusion. Illusion meaning when we in- identify with the body, when we think I'm just the body or I'm one with everything. So it just means we're pulling back those layers to our uncover our true self. And what's incredible in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna actually refers to the soul as Purusha, a person, an individual little spark of his splendor. Yeah, oh, I love. It. We're gonna learn so much more about the soul that as point. the chapters go on. So, should we go to? Yes, I think the the next the next verse actually explains more about what we just read. So, yeah. text 13. text number thirteen. As the embodied soul continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, the soul similarly passes into another body at death. A sober person is not bewildered by such a change. Wow. All right. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here. Here. Have you guys heard that um, every seven years your body completely changes? What do you mean? Oh, I love Priya that you're bringing that up because I have something to go off of that. What do you mean? Like, add, like your body is constantly generating, let's say, new skin. Biological weird thought process. Everything new, like everything, right? Like even our nails. Like they're not the same nails you had. 
yesterday, like a week right. ago, yeah. you're whatever not the same be. Priya, the same Shama, and I'm not the same Shama lead that we were when we were little, much less five years ago, much less even a week ago. We're constantly we are not changing. inhabiting the same body. But I think scientifically, and don't quote me on this, scientifically, it's like every seven years, you're officially like a whole new body. Souls are regenerating. Yeah. No, not the soul. Oh, oh. sorry, the cells, the cells. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Shama. Soul. No, Shama. The, oh. <laughs> the cells in our body The cells in our body, yeah. And so I just thought that was an Can interesting I share there's a, an ancient Greek philosopher Heraclitus I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly <laughs> he said that one can't step into the same river twice because you know the waters are always flowing you never step into the same river so similarly we might say that we can't breathe twice in the same body since as Priya is saying every biological cell goes changing so we're not inhabiting the same body just like we can't step into the same river so the body's just the field that we play out our life as the soul is kind of like the witness to everything unfolding. You know, when you first said that, I was like, what do you mean you don't step into the same river? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's like, let's say it's called Rio like Grande, Grande, right? Because we're both from Texas and uh, that's <laughs> yeah. what came to our minds. Right, right. Anyways, um, let's say that's what you call it. I'm like, I'm going into there. I'm going to put my foot in there. It's right. the same river. What do you mean by that? But I think right. I, if I'm understanding correctly, you mean the water that my foot touched mm-hmm. is never going to be the same water exactly. ever again, right? So just like that, our body might be like the outline of the river that hasn't changed, but the cells that comprise it, everything is constantly changing mm, to the point like that- Like the it's, molecules of water. It's right. It's not the same molecules, not the same skin cells. It's all different. It's constantly changing within ourselves. So reincarnation might be a big concept to wrap your head around in big terms, like life after life. But if we think about it by what we're saying right now, there is a day-to-day reincarnation of the body happening. So that kind of helps maybe wrapping your head around a more hefty concept. Right. And there's this, there's this one analogy that, that helped me make sense of this verse is that, you know, if you've ever been to a funeral, right? Right. You've been to a funeral and there's a, there's an open casket there and you walk up there and you, you know, you pay your respects and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so is gone, Mm. but their body is still there. So what technically makes them quote unquote gone? So according to Bhakti Yoga philosophy, the thing that's gone is their soul. And the soul has moved on to another body. And so that's what right. this verse is talking about. The soul similarly passes on to another body at death. Mm. Right. Like, let's like, okay, let's do a little simple reflection, everybody. When yep. we say, I was a child, I was an adolescent, or I'm an adult. What is the fundamental I, the core self that we're talking about, if our body's constantly changing? We're not talking about the body. So in the same way, the body and mind are changing, but what is the I? The I is the soul. And when we're when we talk about there, like our Krishna saying, Arjuna, don't be an illusion. Illusion means when we identify the the permanent I with the changing mortal body instead of with our true eternal soul that's within. Yeah, I definitely know my body was changing as like just going through puberty. You know what I mean? You guys are not Indian, but like, like I knew at 14 years old, I I grew a little mustache, and I was like, oh, oh my god, god. No. Right. I grew a little mustache, and I was like, my body is changing. So I definitely I felt this first. I You're felt like it in my I heart. did not have a mustache I yesterday. Like, I was like, what? what? I was like, my brother's mustache and my mustache are the same size. Like it's like crazy. No, so it's fantastic. But I so I wasn't a sober person, right? I was very bewildered by that change in my body. <laughs> Oh my gosh. There's this uh, paragraph here. It's a bit long, but I'll try to break it down because I think it's, uh, it just kind of brings it all together. It says every living entity is changing his body every moment. This is from the purport. Yet the same spirit soul is there and does not undergo any change. So the soul, whatever it is that 
you know, that little spark, that little thing that we are, it's just constant throughout our whole lives, right? Yep. This individual soul finally changes the body at death. That's what you were reading right earlier, right? Yes. And right. it transmigrates to another body. And since it is sure to have another body in the next birth, either material or spiritual, there was no cause for lamenting by Arjuna on account of death. Rather, he should rejoice for their changing mm. bodies from old to new ones, thereby rejuvenating their energy. Isn't that wild? Wow. I think that's such a like uplifting way of perceiving death. Death. It's it changes your whole perspective on death, right? Because it's not this like, oh, this person is not no longer here, but we should rejoice because they're getting a new body. Yeah, they're rejuvenating their energy. Like that's an interesting thought. I'm I'm right. always tired, so that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one <laughs> one part of that sentence you read, Priya. Uh we change the body in the next birth, either material or spiritual. That caught my attention because I thought, wait, wait, wait. Right. So kind of like based on our actions, based on our different ways we've enjoyed or suffered or worked in this life, we're going to acquire our next destination. What does that mean? Like if you actually like think about it, like, okay, let's say in this lifetime, you lived like, like we were saying, like an animal, you know, like mm -hmm. those people that are like, we're all animals, right? Like you were saying, Shamali. Right. The, uh, you might just get a body as an animal in, in the next life yeah. or or let's mm -hmm. say, what, let's what are the opportunities, example. right? That's not exactly what I'm saying. Let's take, since we mentioned this in the last episode, let's just go there. Someone like Hitler. What type of body do we think Hitler's going to oh acquire God. in the next life? Do we think he's going to acquire a very nice, pious next life? Uh, I don't think so. It, it brings into account karma, right? So right. What, what deeds did like did Hitler commit? They were It was essentially he was building up a lot of bad karma. Right. And someone who might negate this and say none of this is real. Okay. So you mean to tell me someone who lives their life like Hitler is the same as someone who has lived their life like Mother Teresa giving mm. back, giving back. You can't just on a very plain logical level say those two individuals have acquired the same, even if you don't believe in karma, like for every action, there is logically an opposite and equal reaction. So those two individuals, you mean to tell me that they're acquiring the same actions for their results? No, yeah. you. Yeah. everyone knows that they've lived different lives. Yeah. I was just thinking about, I mean, Hitler is such a like, whoa example. Right, because that's kind of so like, heavy. And um Maybe make, giving a more No, normal. no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I was just saying like the idea that uh, the idea of karma in a sense is the fact that we get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity right. to make good decisions, to make decisions that are helping us grow as human beings, care for others, become more conscious of our words or how we spend our time. Like obviously right. it's, it's guided towards godliness, right? And so- um, I'm just thinking about someone like Hitler, like, like what, holy cow, like, how do you get to that? What next life can you get for someone to redeem themselves to that level? And I don't know. I'm just thinking here out loud. It's like, I almost feel like he must go to a hellish planet, suffer right. for all the, the horrible things he did yep. and then kind of get a new chance. Yeah. But if we, even if we break it down to like just our level of, of not someone who killed a whole bunch of people, but like you, yeah. you look at like kids, right? Like right. babies who are mm. born into different families, right? Like I was born into a middle-class Indian family. Why, right? Mm -hmm. Why is someone born in the south of Sudan and, and, and they're in extreme poverty? And why is someone born to Kim Kardashian and <laughs> born into extreme wealth, right? right. What yeah. is the purpose? Like how, who decides 
who gets born into what families. You. It's yeah. karma. It's karma. <gasps> right. It's like your good and your bad actions that you complete in this life determine your next life. Yeah. You mm. know what? If we're talking about like right now, we're, we have all of us, the Bhagavad Gita in front of us. So I'm thinking like based on what Shama's saying, we don't know the trajectory or the story of someone's soul. We just look at on a very, very small micro scale, the little life they've had in this one life. Mm. So let's pretend like this Bhagavad Gita I'm holding in front of me, that is whatever, Kim Kardashian's soul journey, that is Hitler's soul journey, oh, or someone not on such a drastic level, just a day-to-day -day ordinary person. So many people love to question, but why? Why did that terrible or great thing happen to that person? What did they do to deserve it? Well, I don't know. We're just looking at a small chapter. We're looking at one page. One, one page. page of we their don't life. know. Let's yeah. scroll to the beginning of the story. We don't know what that soul did in the previous journey. lives. The journey. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So we're just looking at a very small part and thinking we understand and know everything. And, oh, how can God do this and that? And yeah. that's not fair. But and you can don't I, know. Can I say, actually yeah. here in the purport, the next thing that I caught my eye was it says um as confirmed in the gita the fragmental portions of the supreme exist eternally so fragmental portions is kind of mm. like what you were saying shamali about the ocean and the right. drops of the ocean we're like little drops right so like fragments like small amounts of god right, in a sense so right. we exist eternally and we have a tendency to fall down into material nature so this is like the original concept of uh well i guess it kind of relates to um, Adam and Eve. They fall down right. and they, you know, have to live here. We have something kind of similar, similar. Yep. Um, where we fell down based on our desires, our desires to compete with God in certain or like desires to be God in some ways and like things that we want to experience. And that's how we get our human bodies. And we'll get so much more we'll into that into later. That. Yep. But I just thought it was interesting to think about like, where where did we begin? Right. Because you were saying, Shamali, the book of someone's life, where right. did we begin? And the coolest part therefore like the the after result is it says but once liberated he lives an eternal life in bliss and knowledge with the personality of godhead and is that quote unquote what we talked about liberation yes ah. and that's we talked about liberation in two ways right liberation in okay hopefully at the end of this life you won't have to continue up and down the elevator the big race, yeah. scale liberation yep. but also liberation as a state of consciousness can be achieved in this very life you don't have to wait till death right you can elevate your consciousness so that you're in tune with all of that and i like Priya, how you had mentioned again about the drop of the ocean, because there's one other example of kind of like they talk about the main candle, like God, Krishna in this case, as we call him, at the main candle lighting all the different candles. Mm. No matter how many candles you light, that main candle, nothing's taken away from that. It's still comprised of the same components and the candle is still lit. Here it says, any man who has perfect knowledge of the constitution of the individual soul, the super soul, which is... God within your heart and the nature, both material and spiritual is called a dira or a most sober man. And such a man is never deluded by the change of bodies. Cause right. They can see super big picture what's going on. Right. Which I think Arjuna knew this. And right. so Krishna is kind of like saying, Hey, you knew this. Let me remind you of the reality of your existence right. so that everything can be put into perspective. And you understand that this Arjuna, this body right now that you're in, it is temporary. Right. Let me remind soul. you of the, the, 
Let me remind you of the existence. What did you say? The, oh my goodness, I have no it idea. It was beautiful. And what you did that was so great. As like the 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 true Putting on the hot seat. Say it again. Your, like that was such a beautiful line. Let what me you just remind said. you of the reality of We're, your existence. That's right. it. That was it. That was it. Let me remind you of the reality of your existence. Right. Oh, and you know what's that. a funny way to conceptualize it is like, okay, right. When we end when we end our lifetime in this body, we enter another. Comparing it to like, just as one gives up worn out clothes and puts on a new one. So let's talk about clothes for a second. Only an excessively fashion conscious person would cry in anguish over the loss of just a shirt or a dress. So when we say in illusion, it's because we're losing ourselves in grief or lamentation, as we clarified earlier, over the inevitable change of body that's just going to happen to all of us, forgetting that the body is only what wraps around the eternal soul. Right. Love that. Anything else before we move on to chapter or sorry, text 14? Let's do it. All right. Shamali, take us away. All righty. Oh, son of Kunti. So this is Krishna speaking now, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, son of Kunti. The non-permanent appearance of happiness and distress and their disappearance in due course are like the appearance and disappearance of winter, winter and summer seasons. They arise from sense perception, O son of Bharata, and one must learn to tolerate them without being disturbed. Scion. Oh, oh, you know what? In this version, there's typos and I thought it does say scion <laughs> and I thought they meant to say son. So I'm like, I'm just going to change that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I actually felt the same way the other day because we did encounter a few typos here and there. And right. I'm just so unsure about what I'm right. about to say because we've had a few words that were like, not real. <laughs> you know what? This verse reminded me of Priya. Did you? Because Priya and I, you know, born into the movement. I went to Gurukul growing up. We we were surrounded by this philosophy. And there was a little <laughs> catchy song. I might be butchering it because it's way deep, deep in my subconscious. But yeah, um, happiness and pain come and go just like the summer and winter snow. Oh. One feels good and one feels bad. Something, something, something. Da, da, da. <laughs> Very good. Very anyway, good. all these little songs Touché. with like deep philosophy, but for kids. So I would grow so up as like cute. a seven-year-old just singing that on my way home from school. That but is I so love cute. it. This is like, this is an important verse because he talks about happiness and sadness, right? right? That they're coming and going through our life. And that's true. We have good days. We have bad days. And so how do we learn to deal with them? He right. said one must learn to tolerate them without being disturbed. And so that is essentially having a transcendence mindset, right? Yeah. right? Because if we don't know how, or if we don't learn how to navigate the waves of ups and downs that come in life, and if we forget our eternal nature, we're going to cling on to anything that comes our way. And all these selfish desires will just drag us into illusion. And I kind of like the conceptual, uh, the image of like, they're like desire chains. The more you get trapped down in this world, the more chains are going to imprison us. And so Imagine like chains just pulling you down from this elevated, blissful state that you could be in. Right. I, I grew up with the, um, the word equipoise. Mm, right. I don't know if you guys did. I it's did too, but like I'm not the person word. to ask what is, about. What, is it, what does it mean? It's, it literally means not being too affected by happiness or distress. It's like kind of being right in the middle. Like you're just like something great happens and you're like, well, that's wonderful. Something bad happens and you're like, 
that makes sense. Like very right. like, you know, matter of balanced, very like your emotions are balanced yeah. no matter if you have a good day or a bad day. Exactly. It is what mm. it is. Yeah, right? yeah. I yeah. grew up with that word, like you gotta be equipoise. I was like, okay. You know what, Pri? I think that's a very like <laughs> like in our movement word because as a kid I would use that and ever all of my friends that didn't grow up in it, they'd be like, What are you talking about? Yeah, Shamali. <laughs> definitely. That's what I was saying. It's it's one of those words that we don't use very often, but it's right. it's the idea of But it, but it is kind of like the epitome of how we should be, right? Yes. Because if your emotions sway to so like big extremes when when you have a bad day or when you have a good day, like it's hard for your mind to be balanced, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to have this like this equal this equal mindedness right. during good times and bad times. I, for my brother is one of those people, and I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, are you really like this, or is it like <laughs> is this an act? Like I'm it, his whole life. Wait, what is he? What is he? Like, like he's just not faced by negative or positive things intensely. Like he's just very mellow as a human being. And I find that energy so soothing, you know? So it's like, it's something that you actually can really appreciate when a person is able to reach that level of balance. You're that way, Priya. You, I you don't do know. <laughs> no, you do. You I do. Don't I don't know. know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, I, I want to read one little part here talking about the being equipoise through the ups and downs. Um, yeah, let me just, it, it talks here about that when we chase the whatever's pleasing materially and we run away from whatever's unpleasing, we fall into what this, what they call duality illusion. I'll explain in a second, but as we, it basically means running away from desire and aversion as they overcome us. And Krishna cautions us, don't rejoice in the materially pleasing or grieve for the unpleasing. But as Priya is saying, we should tolerate both because you know what, both are going to come and go and they're mere products of sense perception. And and he, this one, one little few sentences actually list all of the parts Krishna mentions things that are under this concept of duality illusion. So that'll explain it. It says, he cites many examples of mundane dualities in the Bhagavad Gita that arise desire or aversion. Some examples are, there's so many, cold and heat, joy and sorrow, gain and loss, victory, defeat, honor, dishonor, success, failure. It's literally listing all the ones that are going to be outlined in the Gita, love and hate, gold, stone, friend, foe, saint, sinner. Anyway, it keeps going. And there's just, it's all duality in this life. And for those entrapped in them, all of these dualities are different names for just joy and sorrow. So the concept is just rise above the duality of this world. How do we do that? That's so difficult. It's no, very hard. It really is. It's like we're going to have like great things thrown at us and rewards and promotions and prizes and all that stuff. And then we're going to have really down in the dump days, right? Mm-hmm. You know what popped into my mind, Shama? I don't know. The Gita is going to probably explain many more things of how to deal with that. But having compassion for the soul versus the body, as we had said, to me means that no matter what is thrown my way, if it appears good or it appears bad, mm. who's to say right now? Just give it some time and patience. That's because, really good point. Right. Because in time, it's going to unfold and it may be the best thing for your soul's evolution. Right. There's a little like folktale that says like the farmer who like at first his horse got hurt and, and someone says, oh, that's horrible. Your horse is hurt. And he's like, hmm good, bad, who's to say? And then it's like all the chain reaction because his horse was hurt. He wasn't able to go fight the war that they were recruiting people. Someone ran up and said, that's great. Mm, Good, bad, who's to say? say? So the story keeps going. And this farmer's response to everything was good, bad, 
who's to say? Right. I don't know. So if we get so carried away in the good, bad that happens in a very superficial level, oh, we're just going to go buy into the roller coaster. So that's kind of the point. Do not buy into the roller coaster because who's to say whether this good, this is good or bad. So if we accept God is an all powerful, loving God that wants the best for us, he's going to put what's ultimately best yeah. for us. For yeah. instance, like if you like people want to win the lottery all the time, they're like, mm. Oh my God, that's going to solve all my problems. But you've, all heard of people who've won the lottery and it was the their life worst is miserable. thing. Right. It yeah. was the worst thing. People like their their family and their friends are just using them. They don't have any real connections. They can't trust anybody. Yeah. They lose it. They go into right. more debt. Like it's like the worst thing that could have happened, right? Yeah. I actually have a little story, but you finish that. And then there's the opposite, right? Where me and Shamali were in this horrific car accident. And at right. the time it was so terrible. But now I look at it and it was like one of the best things that could have happened for our spiritual growth. And it's interesting because Right. We had, yeah. No, I was about to say it's interesting because I'm still dealing with looking at the body versus the soul because in the mornings when I might wake up early in the morning to use the bathroom, I have sciatic nerve pains. I'm limping. So on a bodily platform, I could very easily get depressed and think, oh my God, this was the worst thing that's happened to me. I literally have a back that's worse than my almost 70 year old father for real. And, but, but then when I think about, okay, this happened for something this is giving me a lot of lessons. It's it's hard. You have to sit with it and take a few steps back and then think, what is this doing for my soul? And maybe so many ripple effects that unfold from there, right? Yeah. Good point. I have I have a lighthearted one, but I, yeah. I think I need permission from uh, the producer, aka my husband, to share it. Um, Good so Lord, we'll just, sir. We'll just start and then see where it goes. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, I think no, this you is- can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not so long ago, he was going towards a different position in his company that was like something he really, really wanted. And the the managers were like, yes, you're likely to get it. It's going to be fantastic. And like he was really looking forward to it. He was the right fit. He's mm. everything. Right. And um, he la- later found out that they've been stringing him along for six months, but it wasn't finally there. Ultimately, it wasn't their decision. And someone else made the decision to go with someone else. And so um, our producer, Abhijit, didn't get that position. And at first, it f- I, from from my me viewing his experience, it was the worst outcome possible because you get your hopes up and you're like so excited and all of that. But then looking at the long term, I mean, some of what ended up happening was that they were so regretful that it didn't end up going to him. And they were like, listen, we really appreciate you. We think you're a great worker. And we know that your mom lives in India. And so like, maybe we can pay you a little more and maybe you can go like work from India for a few months of the year. That's amazing. And we were like, (laughs) wow, like you really never know how something can, you know, like nothing is completely bad. Nothing is completely good because you don't know what to say. Lamenting one day. (laughs) Lamenting one day. And then the next day you're like, well, actually that ended up being a fantastic thing that happened. And so you really never know. And so being equipoise in a sense saves you from the roller coaster of emotions. And you know what, Priya, if you like, I'm sure if you had the the little crystal ball of seeing the future in that moment when he didn't get the promotion, if you could have seen where it would take you in that moment, you would say, that's fantastic. (laughs) But you know what? That's kind of like Krishna smiling at Arjuna on the battlefield. Arjuna is going to an existential crisis and Krishna knows. He already knows where this is going to go. And he's just smiling. 
Yeah, but I like that story because yeah. then it leads to something even better. And you never know, right? And so just equipoised. Equipoised. Just being equipoised. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else before we move on to text number 15? I have a fun tidbit. Yes. <laughs> Taking Shamley's word. Um, <laughs> so it just, it's a little just random note here. So Krishna is speaking to Arjuna and he's calling him um, son of Kunti and then scion of Bharata. And in the purport, it says that uh, this is referring to his great, like, family lineage. I can't say the word. Lineage. Oh, thank you. Right, right, right. (laughs) Lineage. I I still can't do it again. Lineage. (laughs) Lineage. Okay, thank you. Lineage and how um, a great heritage brings responsibility in the matter of proper discharge of duties. Therefore, he cannot avoid fighting. I love that. I highlighted that too. Great minds think alike. Take it away. (laughs) And he also gives him like a lot of like nicknames throughout the Gita too. So many. And they're so significant, which is really lovely. It's kind of like if I were like Shamasangita, the strongest... uh, uh, writer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like it's mm-hmm. it's glorifying them and telling them how great they are, but also calling into action. Like you're such a great writer, you should be mindful of what you write, or you know, like that idea yeah. of. So mm-hmm. and it's also yeah. like this shows their closeness, their affection, and yes. their relationship right. too, which is beautiful. And one more point in the purport that actually addresses Shama's question: When I read the dualities of life, she's like, "Oh, how do we overcome that?" It's going to say so many more things, but there's one answer to that in the purport. The first line starts by saying, "In the proper discharge of duty, one has to first learn to tolerate the non-permanent." appearance of happiness and distress. Because right, they're not permanent. And if we stick to doing our duty, connecting into the story, like Arjuna, his duty is to follow religious principles of the Satria, the fighter. And he has to fight to overcome these corrupt rulers. So it basically says that if we follow our duty, whatever that may be, your duty might be a student, a teacher, a mother, whatever, whatever your duty is, if you follow it with your whole heart while trying to keep equipoised or balanced in the face of the duality with knowledge, then you can combat the clutches of illusion. So I like connecting it to uh, something we had spoken about last episode about it's not just all feeling, 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 but it's the mix of knowledge and feeling. And that's how you're just going to, it's like a perfect formula. Do your duty with knowledge, and devotion, and you can get through the waves of the up and down. It's the math teacher in the room, right? Formulas always work, right? Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Break, okay, okay, break down that formula for me. Right? Okay. So then, how am I dealing with good days and bad days in my life? What is that formula? Mm-hmm. Okay, step one at the beginning of the purpose, and this is all from this one purport. That, the amazing thing, side note, of the Gita is it's so dense that this formula is derived literally from just this one purport of text 14. It's so much packed in one sentence. So and th- this formula is something that I, like, I want to use this every single day of my life. Oh like, yeah. yeah. Every single day to deal with anything that comes up. Number one, they says you must discharge your duty. So, so like, what if we make it relevant to like you, Sean? Like, okay. You know, like to let's me. say that, you know, you have back problem and that's still something that bothers you every day and you have a full life. How do you make sure that this distress or like, that mm. you're living under is not crippling your life and you mm. can continue to work further based on this example, right? Well, um, I can try to help. Oh, that's a good question. So, I mean, you duty. know what? I, I was know, actually about to sentence. give an example that I've been thinking about because I got very inspired when I went to this spiritual festival recently. I met this spiritual master or guru or swami, as we said, that I felt like so inspired by. And with all of this feeling or this devotion, I felt tempted to like, I want to drop everything and chase him to the end of the world and go wherever he goes. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But then I had to take a deep breath and think, just like Arjuna did not want to do his duty, which was to fight on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, he wanted to run away. 
I cannot run away from my duties, which are what? Right now, waiting for me back home was wrapping up my master's master's. thesis, which I was very passionate about at some point. (laughs) So like I'm waiting for me all this duty, Spanish teacher, I'm raising to another position to become the director of the program, master's department, la 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 la, all this duty. You got a lot of duties. A lot of duties, a lot of duties. (laughs) I could speak about the duties forever, but I don't want to depress myself. (laughs) Anyway. Nobody else heard that sentence and laughed a little. Duties, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I can talk about the duties all day. I'm so sorry. I'm not five, I promise. (laughs) So applying the formula right now to my case. Okay. So number one, I have to do my duty while feeling the devotion because it's the combination of knowledge and devotion. So I'm knowledge we're gaining through doing this right now. We're all sitting, studying the text, which we've all said having to speak about it helps us study it in an even deeper way. So that's number one, knowledge. Yeah. Then number two is also the feeling because we're not going to be cold about it. Not like it's knowledge for the sake of knowledge, but the purpose of the knowledge is to acquire a deep feeling of spirituality towards God, towards helping, giving back. So it's and to the, act on it, yeah? And to act on it, right, right. Because if we just sit on our couch and, and all feel. the feeling, all the feeling, that's why it's the perfect combination of knowledge and devotion, as they say here in the purport. And then with that combination, you must very soberly, almost like I have this visual of just like, keep your head down and just keep doing your duty. So through the waves of ups and downs, I'm just going to try to keep doing my duty. So my back hurts all the time, but you know what? I'm going to, you know, I'll take practical steps to whatever, get massages, do physical therapy, you know, that's side note, but try to not get carried away by the ups nor by the downs. And it's so easy to get excited when the ups are there. So I felt like through my spiritual devotion, I want to chase this elevated personality all over the world. But then that formula wouldn't work because I'm abandoning everything else and just doing the feeling. And if you just run on the feeling, it doesn't work. You float. And I could just kind of float and not be giving back in any way. So I have to come back And I have to apply the rest of the equation. I have to do my duty and also knowledge, which is what we're doing here, because just duty without how many people are dutiful CEOs, but they have no knowledge or devotion. So we could, in fact, uh, this would be a good experiment for another time. Think of so many scenarios that they're missing one component of the equation and it doesn't work. You need the entire equation. I love that. I think that's really good. (laughs) That's great. And this is all just in the purport that each time you read it, you gain more. All right. So text number 15. Text 15. All right. Takes away, Priya. Oh, best among... (laughs) Oh, best among men, Arjuna, the person who is not disturbed by happiness or distress and is steady in both... And is steady... In both is certainly eligible for liberation. Sorry, that's not good. I like it. Do you want to read it again? Because this is exactly the the equation. This is the equation. All right. Oh, best among men, Arjuna, the person who is not disturbed by happiness and distress and is steady in both is certainly eligible for liberation. Mm. This is great. There's a line in the purport that is it basically says. If someone can equally tolerate the onslaught of distress and happiness and the thoughts, right? It's like when we go through our day, we think, do you know how many thoughts we think in, in a single day? How, how many, many is there? Like, take a guess. 10,000? More. Oh my God. 100,000. Less. <laughs> 30,000. A little bit more. Oh God. I thought, I I thought, I thought, 60,000 wow. thoughts. Mm. That's how much the average The average. Thinks. And then maybe when you're in school, you have more. Oh my God. 60,000 <laughs> thoughts, right? And if you take a look at our own lives, right? How many of those thoughts are positive thoughts? How many of those thoughts are negative or stressful thoughts? Mm. Right. Probably a lot more, right? 
So if we can manage this daily barrage of like happy thoughts and distressful thoughts, if we can become, as you said, Priya, equipoise, and that's the goal, right. we can manage our lives so much better. And what's a good practical step to becoming equipoise, so to say, is become an observer. Everyone try to take a few steps back. And when you're having the thoughts, just just don't just let them pass and observe them. Start becoming yeah. aware. Awareness is the first step yep. to then asking all these questions. Like really digest before you outwardly express, right? Yes. Like something's happening. We react so fast, so right? Quickly. When something bad is happening, we react so fast right. with either anger or stress or, or happiness. And it's just like, if you stop and take a moment to, to observe the emotions mm. that are going through your body, it can save like relationships. You right. know what I mean? Like how many times have we gotten to an argument with someone and we said something we regretted? Right. Right. Mm. It's because we didn't stop and reflect on that. And the more we can, right, that is, that is in a sense, the practice of bhakti yoga. We have a stimulus and a response. That's life. Stimulus, 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 response, response, response. And the more we can spread the gap between a stimulus and a response and observe and breathe, the more we can use wisdom and knowledge to maneuver our lives. So tying this to the story, similarly, Arjuna needs to discharge his duties as a fighter. And he's advised to persevere by the master of all masters, even if it's difficult to fight with his family members. So anyway, and again, it's just what's best for the soul's evolution, even if it's materially difficult, because that's all temporary on a bodily level. I have a question, and and this maybe would be a good way to wrap it up, but I'm just... Can we kind of just think about the story and where it has come thus far and what are mm. some of the things that have been said? Because I feel like there's just so mm -hmm. much information and yep. my brain is having like a hard time digesting. The, like we've talked about so much in, in, in this right. episode alone. So, so, so Krishna is officially talking now. Um, yes. Yes. So Arjuna, at the beginning of chapter two, Arjuna was giving all of these arguments and some of them were really good arguments mm -hmm. as right. to why he shouldn't kill his family on the battlefield. I mean, if it were a debate, we'd all be in the crowd like, yeah, 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 Arjuna, it makes sense. Okay, we're on his place. side. Don't fight. Why would you kill your family? No. Right. Yep. And then he's like, all right, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to listen to the the... He shifts his perspective. He well, goes he goes from, through an existential crisis yeah, before right, right, shifting. Right, right. There was a lot of pain and then comes the surrender. He and surrenders. So, so Krishna is making some points. So he's saying like, well, first and foremost, you're not this body. None of these kings are there, these bodies. We're the soul and the soul is eternal. So like this is not like you going on this battle and killing them isn't a forever thing. And it's kind of what you're supposed to do. It's also something you shouldn't stress out about. Because mm. they, their bodies might be, they, bodies might die in this battlefield, but their soul is forever. Right. Mm. Krishna's not being callous or heartless saying, forget them. He's saying, look at them in an even bigger picture. The grand scheme. Mm. Right. The book of their soul's journey. Yeah. And, and they've so, always uh, been around and will always be around. Right. Mm. And then, um, then the, so then there's that. And then right now we were talking about not only that, but you should understand that we have to kind of balance between happiness and distress. Right. right. So we have to apply the equation. Our math teacher in the house can tell you if you're doing it right or wrong, because if you're missing one component of the equation, it won't work. Won't. You got to keep your head down, do your duty, equipoise, balanced, while holding on to both the knowledge and the feeling or the devotion. Yep. And, and, and relating it back to Arjuna, Arjuna's going through so many of these thoughts right now, these like sad thoughts and like distressed thoughts. And he's like chaotic. Right. And Arjuna and Krishna is basically just shaking him, being like, understand the greater picture here. Right. Don't be in distress. These people 
will continue to go on. This and is that's kind of what's been said so far. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he's like, kind of like essentially saying, this is all, it's already happened. You just need to fill your role in this puzzle and fight. It's already in motion. Right. And Arjuna's saying, in a sense, Arjuna's like, okay, I understand you're my teacher and I'm willing to listen. And that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. I just wanted to wrap it right. up because in my brain, actually it was great. so much information and I was like, wait, and no, we, you know, we talked about liberation. We talked about all these things and I feel like we'll learn so much more, but at least we get a gist of where we were. Mm, and yes? one final component, how to apply the equation. Take a few steps back and start observing your thoughts. Start trying to just, yeah, be an observer. Love it. So that is chapter two, text 15. And we'll continue with our next episode whoop, whoop. starting on text 16. Whoop, whoop. Join us for the rest of the story. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. beautiful souls if you like what you're hearing please follow us on instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the, the modern, modern yogi, yogi.